Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to the first Forza Italian football podcast of the year. After a couple of weeks rest, Serie A has returned this weekend. And after a little longer away from you guys, I'm Connor Clancy and I'm happy to be returning as host for 2017. Joining me as ever is the trusty, well, sort of after tonight, Nicholas Carroll. Nick, it's been too, it's not been too long since we last spoke, but how are things with you? Yeah, pretty good. Had a nice break, but um, it's good to have culture back on the TV screens. Inter going well, four in a row, so I can't complain too much given how 2016 went, so hoping for much better in 2017. You've got an early mention for Inter in there, but I was going to leave them for a bit later, so let's move away from them as quickly as possible. <laughs> uh, completing the trio, as ever, is Luca Gumby. Luca, have you settled back into life in Munich since Christmas at home? Uh yeah, it was nice to nice to get back, but I think uh it's not too bad here. It's pretty pretty cold. Came back to minus twenty conditions and snow everywhere, but managed to battle through that to get here with you guys tonight. It's nice to have you along. So um before we get the ball rolling, I have a bit of a special announcement to make to our listeners and viewers who are few and far between at the moment. But we've started up a brand new YouTube channel at Forza Italian Football and we will be uploading content daily. This week, we're looking to get at least two videos a day, including transfer rumor roundups with Vieri Capretta and mid-season reviews with Nick. So, Nick, if you want to just run them through the sort of stuff you've been doing already. Um, yeah, uh, obviously, we've got to the halfway point of the Serie A season now. So, um, what I've done, and there'll be a new video every week where I'm looking at a different club, um, obviously more of the top clubs, and looking at how they've gone for the first half of the season and um, looking at what their prospects are and um, a few of us have given our predictions for how they'll go as well. So um, there's Inter and AC Milan already up there and then tomorrow there'll be Napoli and a few more to come throughout the week. Um, so, yeah, that's something um, 
a little bit of fun I've been having. And um, Vieira has also been putting up some daily transfer information, rumours and um, deals that are coming through. So for all the latest in that, um, yeah, definitely get onto the YouTube channel, subscribe and look out for the next videos to come. Yeah, so to get things started with this podcast then, it is January. So let's start with the January transfer window, shall we? Um, Nick, a few moves have already gone through. One directly involves the two of us, but let's try not to talk about that one too much. Who do you think has done the best business so far in the January transfer window? Um, I mean, I don't think there's been any amazing um, transfers, so to speak. I think probably the biggest in terms of names is probably uh, Leonardo Pavaletti from uh, Genoa to Napoli. Um, I think... um, I mean, obviously, he's done a great job when he's um, been healthy at Genoa. Um, and I think he, he provides a, a lot of depth for Napoli in a, in a position where they are lacking it, particularly given the injury with Milik um, last year. But um, I don't know. My, my one concern with that is that um, while I think it's good for Napoli, I'm not sure if it was the best move for Pavoletti himself, as I just question how much playing time he will actually get once you know, Milik's back in the frame. And then you look at Dries Mertens and the form he was showing at the end of last season, and it's hard to really put someone in that kind of form on the bench. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's a good headache to have for Sari, but, um, yeah, I, I personally I would have liked Pavoletti to have gone to like a Fiorentina, for instance, where I think he'd get a lot more playing time, um, regular regular playing time, um, I think he possibly could even become the first choice there in front of... Do you think he'd displace Nikola Kalinic? Well, I mean, that you know, that might be me just being a bit biased. I'm not the biggest Kalinic fan, I must admit. So um, I think he has the potential to be a lot more consistent than Kalinic, which is something Fiorentina are in a massive need of. So um, I guess the thing to, to the other moves that have happened, I think Fiorentina's kind of moved out on two major options um, this transfer window with obviously Pavoletti, but also with Stefan Jovetic, there was some news with him possibly going back for a, somewhat of a romantic return to Fiorentina, but he's off to Sevilla now. So, um, yeah, Fiorentina kind of missing the boat on both there. So. Um, Luca, just to distract you from breaking whatever else is in the room with you, um, who do you think, I know Nick's in his mid-season interview said, they needed to strengthen their defence. But who in Serie A do you think needs to strengthen the most and where? Yeah, as a sort of third party, I would have come in on that question you had earlier and sort of tipped Gagliardini as one of the big transfers going forward. But um, I'd talk about that. Okay. Yeah. I suppose that you would just expect the main kind of, the team that really needs to strengthen is probably, I would say, Bob Pescara because those teams down there at the bottom do look somewhat marooned at the moment. And... Uh, yeah, they will sort of need new faces coming in to try and get out. I think Pescara have at times played some decent stuff, but haven't really been able to score. And I think they've just um, they brought in Giladino from Empoli, who's not really done anything there, but he could potentially give them a bit of a hope going forward. I mean, personally, I'm not really a big fan of the, the January transfers. I think quite a lot of the time you just get the big teams plucking all the good young players from the smaller teams and then um, they don't necessarily get the chance or the playing time that they would deserve. And like to be honest, I don't really think there's that many teams that really need to look at improving that much at the moment. In many ways, I 
think that the Serie A table is kind of set as it is. You can pretty much see where everyone's going to finish already. It doesn't look particularly competitive at the moment going into the final stage. I think Torino have brought in Iturbe on loan from Roma, which I quite like as a transfer. It's sort of a last chance for him again, which he had at Verona before when he was sort of in a difficult time. That was when he really shone. And he's still quite young and Torino have a lot of good attacking players. So I'd personally quite like to see him do well there. But I don't really think there's necessarily that many teams who really need to strengthen other than those at the bottom. But then they again, they're the teams that have the fewest resources and they're not going to really be able to make many exciting signings and battle to stay up. And a lot of them already in a pretty dire situation. And I don't really see that changing. Yeah, this is surely the the last, last chance for Iturbe. Do either of you know how old he is now? Like any chance? 23 or 24. Yeah, it's probably about time because... If it doesn't work out for him this time, you don't really know where he's going to end up. And he might have to drop down to maybe even Serie B to find some form because it's been a desperate couple of years for him since leaving Verona, really. Uh, so let's move on to the weekend's action where we'll start at the Stadio, Stadio San Paolo as Napoli needed a last-minute winner from Lorenzo Tinelli to see off Sampdoria. The Partenope did get a little bit of help from the referee with the sending off of Matias Silvestre, Luca. I'll come back to you being a bit of a Sam supporter. Do you feel particularly aggrieved by this result? Uh, yeah, I think it was on my birthday as well, which wasn't uh, oh, a really nice, nice touch. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess it had the sort of air of inevitability, inevitability to it. So if you see Sam Dory go ahead to a own goal quite early, and then you think, oh, they're naturally bound to come back. They're bound to come back and win. And obviously, they do in the last minute with Tonelli on his first game. But yeah, it, in hindsight, it was quite unpleasant. All the Sampdoria fans were fuming. They completely hate Pepe Reina now because, like, in essence, he did basically just cheat to get Silvestre sent off, who did nothing. He ran past him. Maybe the folds of his shorts lightly brushed against Reina. But Nick, you're not looking too convinced by this. No, I mean. Yeah, I mean, I get it. It was very a soft yellow, but I mean, and and to be fair, I think there was probably a foul on Rain uh, um, in the first place. But to to react like that and run directly into the keepers where the keeper was going, I mean, he kind of bought it on himself. Like as much as he barely touched him, if he did at all, I just I think he was kind of like, why even put yourself into that position and give the ref the option? When you're on a yellow, I think it was just such a stupid move. So in some respects, I think he deserved um, to get it just for being an idiot. But um, obviously it wasn't great for Sampdoria and it was telling in the final result. So he just ran in a parallel line. He didn't. He wasn't looking at him. He was just coming from him, running for He didn't run across his line. He didn't try to impede him kicking. He wasn't even moving to kick. He like was it was just very purposeful towards the keeper. I mean, it, it wasn't just a leisurely drop. He just kind of banded and then shot off. Like, I don't know. I just think it was a bit stupid. I know. I just thought it was a completely mundane thing that you would see 10, 15 times a game every time the keeper has the ball in the crowded penalty area. Yeah, well, as controversial as it was, Napoli did grind out the winner through Lorenzo Tonelli on his debut, despite losing Iguain in the summer. And then seeing Arik Milik suffer an injury, Napoli remain in the top three. Do you think this shows great determination from Mauricio Sarri's side, or will their lack of depth eventually come back to haunt them, as I personally think it might? I think it goes to show the the strong framework that that team actually has. Obviously, during the... Um, the first half of the season, they did suffer 
particularly after Milik was lost, um, they were lacking a lot up front and the results kind of disappeared for a while there. They weren't getting the wins. But at the same time, the way they were playing was still very much the same. It was the same structure. Um, they were still dominating games um, with the most possession in Serie A. They have the best passing rates. Creating, they were creating the most chances. I think they still have the highest average uh, shots per game. So they still had that same structure of what they were doing last season. It's just like the final piece of the puzzle wasn't quite coming together. And you saw the difference when Mertens come in and was actually um, hitting the target up front. He, he was able to fill that central forward role and everything just kind of fell into place so easily and they were just putting goals in that much. So um, I think the fact that they still have that central structure that Sari's kind of stuck to over the last you know two seasons now um, has been able to kind of help them through that period and... You know, if um, actually I go through them um, in the Napoli feature tomorrow on YouTube, but I think if um, if they can remain injury-free, and that will be key, obviously, because depth isn't great, but I still think they can do, um, you know, quite good things. And they, I don't think um, – I think they're still probably the second-best team in the league. Remember, we want to hear what you think. So get in touch with us on Twitter or Facebook. Or leave a comment on fodsaitalianfootball.com. Currently in second are Roma, who conveniently we're moving on to now. <laughs> they stumbled past Genoa with, I think it was an Armando Izzo on goal in the first half. Did either of you see this game? Yeah, I caught um, most of the second half and a bit of the first. Okay, do you want to talk us through Roma's performance then? Were they deserving winners? Um, not, I mean, I mean, it's hard. To, I mean, they obviously dominated in terms of um, the possession and chances, but I don't think they, um, I mean, you, you look at the chances they were creating last season in a lot of the games. Um, I think there was definitely something missing, whether it was just one of those kind of off games where they just w- weren't quite getting it together um, or whether it was, you know, the likes of Mohamed Salah um, not being there, obviously a, a big part of their attack, um, you know, that possibly had a big part to play. Um, they were definitely off their game, um, but you know I don't think it's anything at this point to um, to be too concerned about. You know everyone's just got from the break, and a lot of the teams kind of had the same results. Um, the important thing is they got the win, but um, I think it will be telling for Roma how they can get through this January period um, with in terms of consistency, because that's my biggest thing with Roma. I just don't think they have the capability to be a consistent squad. Um, in terms yeah, of yeah, um, that has been a bit of an issue for them, and they are missing Mohamed Salah, with, who has obviously been a key player for them. Yeah. Luca, if you don't mind, I'll go to you. Do you think they'll be able to stay in second place come the end of the Africa Cup of Nations, or is Salah's absence going to be too hard felt? Uh, I don't think that um, they're sort of such a one man team that they're entirely dependent on Salah. I think Spalletti's a sort of good coach who perhaps isn't the biggest name in many ways at the moment, but he sort of quietly goes around his work. And I think they've got enough other players there to uh, sort of play with um, a variety of different attacking options. They don't always have to rely on the same players or the same system. And then even the fact that uh, earlier we mentioned Turbe and the fact that they were happy to let him leave in January when he could potentially be getting a few games now that Salah's out uh, at the Africa Cup of Nations suggests that the 
the board or the coaching staff are all perfectly happy with what they've got. I think they've got some players there, you, you know, Parati, El Sharawi, whoever, that they can sort of carry on with these players. They're not entirely dependent on Salah, even if he's sort of the most glamorous player in that sort of attacking midfield wide role. Um, yeah, and it's sort of, again, they've got a proper centre forward in Dzeko who's been playing well this season. So I'll, I'll worry about them. I think defensively they've been fairly consistent. They're pretty solid as a unit. They don't really need to rely on one individual player. And they knew that the Africa Cup of Nations would be a thing and they're able to plan for that in advance. I don't think this is anything discontent by surprise or a complete shock to the system. I think they should be fine and carry on as they were. Yeah, yeah, they weren't brilliant against Genoa, but they won away. It's quite a tough place to visit. Yeah, they can be happy enough with that. Yeah, I think historically the Morassi when facing Genoa is one of the places that Roma struggled the most as well. So I guess three points is still three points and it keeps them relatively close to Juventus at the top who obviously they won again. It was a comfortable win against Bologna at home. Higuain scored twice. Dybala scored a penalty. Um, We had an article on the site today that said this was Higuain proving his worth to Juventus. But is it really? Is this not just Juventus doing Juventus and Will Higuain really prove his worth when it comes to the latter rounds of the Champions League? Yeah, um, look, he's done his job at Juventus. You know, that's there's no saying uh, telling that. But um, I don't think he's done anything sensational, so to speak, as yet. Um, as you said, it is. It does feel a bit like just Juventus being Juventus, which is which you kind of see with so many different players um, coming to Juventus and then managing to just kind of slip into that mentality. Um, you know, which is somewhat of a club culture, a lot of the players kind of say. So, and it seems like they're just going to be coasting now. Um, and as you said, I think really the the big, I guess, telling factor of their season will be the Champions League. Um, and I think they are in a position in Serie A where they can kind of, not, not so much take the foot off the pedal, but, I mean, give the odd player a rest here and there because I think they can, pretty easily close to the title. So um, I think they'll start to move their focus um, towards Champions League as the the months go on. In some ways, it kind of did strike uh, me that it was sort of Higuain kind of really showing his class in that game and not winning it by himself, but having a huge impact on the result because they went ahead early. But then after that, Juventus didn't play particularly well for a while. Bologna did get on the ball for quite a lot of... um, the first half until they conceded the penalty, the Juventus midfield weren't really controlling that game. It was just sort of that once they got the ball up in the final third, they were a lot more dangerous. And then after the penalty, they ran away with it. Ran away with it, but they they weren't entirely convincing. And all right, you do see a lot of Juventus fans quite a lot of time who seem a bit spoiled and they're moaning about how they're not playing well in these games, and then they wind up winning it convincingly. But there were some sort of. Uh, cracks which I think Higuain on his own did sort of help to pay over and then again Dybala all these class forwards but perhaps it wasn't ticking quite as uh, fluently as they might have hoped in a midfield yeah okay we did mention the Champions League ladder rounds earlier and I think Juventus have Porto in the last 16 guys correct me if I'm wrong but Nick I'll jump back to you how far do we think Juve can go this year can they go as far as the final again or will they come up short um it's it's hard to say i mean to be honest i don't have a lot of confidence 
in their ability to to kind of beat those teams at the very top. Um, when, when I say that, I mean the the Real Madrids and the Barcelonas of the world. Um, while I think in Serie A, obviously their head and shoulders above the rest, um, I, I just I just can't see them getting past those teams. So I, I think as soon as they face one of them, even if it's Bayern Munich or something, I, I'm just not sure they're they're at that level where they can mix it. And uh, you know, I feel like they'll they'll be somewhat dominated in those kind of games. So, which will be weird for Juventus, um, given the way they play week in week out in Serie A. So. Um, I, I'm not that confident in their ability. I do hope, you know, for the sake of Serie A, that they do kind of at least get to the semi-finals, maybe the final. But I mean, I think semi-finals probably maximum for me. Luca, have you anything to add, or do you disagree with Nick and want to start a fight with him? Or uh, I guess the one thing on my mind, which possibly slightly contradicts Nick is that I'd kind of fancy them more if they have to do it the hard way. It's like they deliver so many players to Italy and then everyone at the Euros just complaining about how bad this Italy team were. But then they sort of outperformed themselves, went uh, above and beyond their ability. They did well against teams who were more fancied than them. And I think that kind of is sort of a bit of a Juve mentality, whereas obviously in the league they're, so much better than everyone else. But perhaps if they did have to face a Barcelona again or someone like that, they they could really think, all right, we'll just sit back. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. We've got this quality defense. We don't have to try and make Pjanic play all these wonderful balls or get Dybala running around looking super sexy everywhere. If we just keep it simple. That could perhaps be in their favour. Obviously, they're, they're always like their little motto of Fino alla fine, all that kind of thing of just really grinding out, doing it the hard way. Perhaps that would um, would suit them. Obviously, they've built on their squad and now they have a great squad, which will be respected by everyone and you wouldn't expect people to underestimate them. But perhaps, yeah, if they do it the hard way or some other teams knock out better teams, they, they could find a way through. I don't expect them to play the most beautiful football, but I think if they 
sort of do what they're good at and do what they did when they last got to the final, then yeah, they could have a chance of going far. I wouldn't tip them as favourites, but you would expect them to be in that sort of second tier of teams who can compete. For me, I think there's just something so inevitable about their 90 million euro man being brilliant the whole way to the final and then missing a decisive penalty in the shootout as he tends to do. Hopefully it won't be the case because personally I quite like Gonzalo Higuain, but he's got a bit of a track record for it, let's be honest. Okay, guys, um, uh, you might have noticed that in the running order, I put in a surprise little question for you as a bit of a treat to those watching live. Um, So I suspect you might already know my angle on this one, but can either of you tell me who the best side away from home are in Serie A this year? I'll give you a clue. From their 10 games away from home this season, they have five wins, two draws, and three defeats. Any guesses? Is it hashtag go Atalanta go? Yeah. Nick, I expected you'd get that before, Luca, having asked me about it on a previous podcast. Satisfaction, Connor. Guys, okay. 4-1, away to Kievo. I have to mention them. Come on, Papu Gomez is amazing. Even without Gagliardini and Frank Kessi, the guys just stepped up and it was 2-0, 3-0 in the first half. It was easy, easy. We're coming for the Champions League. It's, it's done. Everyone else just needs to move out of the way. Just sell everyone now. Uh, no, we'll wait until the summer and then get about 100 million for Frank Kessi and that'll be it. You can find us on Twitter at Serie A FFC or on Facebook by searching for Forza Italian Football. I won't dwell on Atalanta for too long for you guys more than anything else. So we're going to move from one narratory to another, and Nick, you'll be pleased. They recorded another win as they came from behind to beat Udinese 2-1. Nick, Stefano Pioli is the man, right? Ah, I mean, he's doing well. Um <laughs> I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm still a bit numb to, to Inter and the whole coaching situation at the moment. Um, I, th- I think it kind of maybe shows why Pioli was a good choice for the, for the time being, um, whether it is a stopgap or not. That's another question altogether. But I think as that kind of experience is said... That he, question, yeah. Sorry, like, is that a question? He is a stopgap. It's surely that simple, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, with, with that Serie A experience, um, he's that kind of man that could come in, step in, uh, take the team and just kind of drill out some results. And that's what he's kind of done. He hasn't done anything uh, spectacular in terms of changing the team. It's very much the same team formations, um, you know, with the exception of one or two here and there. But, um, you know, I mean, can't fault him too much. He's getting the results where we haven't been convincing, particularly against Udinese. I must say, I, I feel sorry for any Udinese fans because they did deserve point, points from that match, really. Um, you know, despite inter-dominating possession, uh, we weren't very convincing. We didn't use the ball that effectively. It was only in short little periods that we were, um, that we did trouble their goal. So, and our defence, again, was, um, you know, provided too many opportunities um, out of nothing for um, Udinese. So, it wasn't convincing by any means, but somehow we got the three points. So I'll take it and run. But I mean, I'm I'm not getting overly excited at this point. I think um, 
it's still a long way of the season to go and um, I don't think it's all going to be plain sailing for Inter. I'm glad you've mentioned that the fence giving up opportunities there actually because you mentioned it in the mid-season review on YouTube yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, it just seems to be something they fail to improve or strengthen. Do you think they will this transfer window or is there anyone you think that could realistically come in that would help things? Yeah, well, I, I, it doesn't look like they'll be getting anyone this transfer window at least. I'm not sure really if there's that many available um, any quality central backs out there um, that Inter can bring in. Um, but, yeah, to your question, it does. It, it's continually somewhere where um, the recruitment team just kind of seem to look over. Um, and, and, you know, while, while I think Gagliardini is a great buy in terms of, I mean, a young Italian, obviously it's, it's that kind of long-term signing that a lot of Inter fans have been calling for. So in that respect, it's really good, but still I'm, I'm not, it's not necessarily the, the, the biggest kind of position we needed field at the moment. So I'm kind of, you know, in two minds about that. I'm happy with the general um, type of signing it was, but I'm still thinking, well, firstly, he's not really quite that deep ball playing midfielder that Inter could really use. And we've still got that defense, which is a shambles. So that's the areas we really need to strengthen if we are going to seriously challenge for Champions League positions or anything like that. So, um, but yeah, this, this winter transfer period, I, I don't think there'll be much in the defensive kind of area. Yeah, the Gagliardini transfer, it's not that surprising that it happened, but maybe the, the cost of it is surprising given Inter's record with meeting financial fair play. Yeah. And I guess he's not the exact type of midfielder they're looking for. He's more box-to-box than yeah. a deep-lying player. I think Felipe Melo left this window, hasn't he? He's disappeared yeah. somewhere. So I think they could have looked on the short term to replace him rather than get a box-to-box midfielder. And personally, I'm surprised that Gallardini won't be staying with Atalanta for the rest of the season. I thought his deal might have included some sort of clause, but it doesn't seem to. He's just... He's just off and he probably won't play all that much this season. Well, yeah, but, that's, that's my kind of concern. And I agree with you. I, I would have assumed it would have been a, a, a deal where he plays the rest of the season, at least with Atalanta. Um, you know, if he comes to Inter and spends the whole six months on the sidelines and just like Gabriel Barbosa, then, I mean, it's such a waste of, you know, not only for Inter, but for the players' development. So, um, you know, particularly for the young Italian players, it's definitely not what... Um, you know, the nation wants in terms of the Azzurri. So um, I'm not sure exactly what Pioli's plan is with him, um, depending on whose decision it kind of came down to. But um, I, if he, I mean, well, obviously he is coming now. So, I mean, I, mean, I would like to see him get some minutes because, um, you know, otherwise it just seems pointless to me. Yeah, yeah I would, I'd worry for Gallidini's sake that he's a, uh about how much playing time he gets and how he develops. Because when, uh, like, just to look at a past example, obviously he was an older player, but when um, Inter signed Adair from Sampdoria, he was the top scorer in the league. And then he just completely fell away there, didn't score for ages, was a bit of a figure of fun, really struggled to get going. And I think that's a big risk with these January moves, especially when they're coming from a team that's been perhaps overperforming slightly, a lot more positive attitude than going to Inter, where there's a lot more pressure and, things aren't going so well it's, it's going to be quite difficult for him to adapt to that but we'll see how he does he's, he's young but 
I don't know, like if I was, I don't know, advising him, like perhaps I'd think oh, it's better to stay at Atalanta or sign for Inter and get loaned back to Atalanta. But I guess we just have to wait and see. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because it allows me to talk about Atalanta a bit more. But all he had to do for that was chat to one of his mates in the dressing room, who's Alberto Grassi, who impressed at the first half of last season with Atalanta. Then Napoli came along and signed him. Um, he didn't play pretty much at all for the rest of the season. And now he's back with Atalanta on loan, having basically just taken a year off because he's not done much. He'll probably get more playing time now that Gagliardini's gone. But I saw links for Grassi to go to Empoli. So from signing to, for Napoli to now going on loan to Empoli, that's just completely different. And I, I can't believe that Gagliardini has gone mid-season, really. Mm. Um, um, just regarding Gagliardini, I guess because you've probably seen more of him than than any of us. So um, in terms of him as a as a long-term Azzurri prospect, do you think he's like, you know, he will be a kind of... a a permanent fixture in the team over the next decade? Like, where, where do you see him kind of developing? Oh, big time. I don't think this fee is going to be that much of an issue going forward. He's he's a really good footballer. He looks beyond his years at the moment. And mm. I know Frank Kessie has been getting a lot of the attention in yeah. midfield for Atalanta, but Gagliardini has been as good, if not better, than him. When I, I went to a game a couple of weeks ago against Empoli just before Christmas, and more people were talking about Gagliardini than Kessie uh, until Kessie came on and turned the game around. But no, he's brilliant. He's all action, very box to box. He's good on the ball and he's he's not afraid to go flying into a tackle either, which is always good. Um, he's a bit slight of frame, but that doesn't put him off getting involved physically. Before we talk about him too much and I get really, really upset, we're going to move on. And Luca, I'm going to come to you because one thing you wrote over the Christmas break was a mid-season review of Serie B. Um, Serie B is taking its winter break a little later than Serie A in that unusually it continued over Christmas and now it's on a break until I think it's the 21st of this month they come back. So, Luca, just give us a quick rundown of what's happening in the second tier of Italian football this season. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, like like you mentioned, they sort of play over Christmas a bit more, which sort of shows a bit more of a kind of progressive attitude to do things a bit differently. I think that sees the attendances go up while people don't have any other games to watch. And at the moment, it's all very quite close and exciting. Verona are top, as you would expect. They managed to keep a hold of the majority of their players who they wanted to keep hold of from Serie A, and uh, especially Pazzini, the talisman, and he's now top four scorer in the league. Then another one of the relegated teams in Frosinone, a second, occupying the second automatic spot. But then beyond that, it's all very close. I think there's only seven points between Cesena in the top relegation playoff spot and Virtus Antella in the bottom promotion playoff spot. So it's all very much to play for. There's quite a lot of Italian young players getting a chance and being loaned out from the bigger clubs. I was quite um, a big fan of the 19-year-old goalkeeper at Spal, uh, Alex Moret. I think he's gone back to Udinese now, but I watched him over the summer in an under-19 game against Germany, where Germany were absolutely dominant and he just saved everything. And then Italy went up the other end and won off a penalty. And Spal, probably one of the main stories of the league. Again, they got a newly promoted and now they're in the promotion playoffs team with quite a lot of history and tradition who've sort of lost their way. They've been um, 
fired forward by uh, the former Leeds striker, Mirko Antonucci, who's doing well. He's their top scorer. He's got uh, eight goals at this point. And yeah, it looks like quite a good league at the moment. It's um, sort of managed to find its kind of niche where it's got a lot of these young Italian players playing and it's uh, doing quite well. And sort of Genoa recently signed a, a couple of players from um, Serie B. They've got uh, Morosini from Brescia, who's this sort of quite sort of sort of silky sort of traditional attacking midfielder. And they've got um, another player from Spalu's name I can't remember. But yeah, it looks all quite good in Serie B at the moment. It's quite competitive. It's probably more interesting in terms of what's happening in the table than Serie A's at the moment. And I think quite a lot of the young players are making their mark either on loan or at like Serie B parent clubs. There are quite a lot of the Italy youth teams all just padded out with these young players. And yeah, it looks quite interesting at the moment. It's sort of worth keeping an eye on. Yeah, we'll definitely be doing that as the season goes on and you might be our designated Serie B correspondent. Um, we've mentioned it a few times throughout, but for all of you who haven't yet, be sure to get involved with our YouTube account. There's going to be a lot of good content going up there in the next few days. Nick, you ran through some of the things that have already gone up there, but could you just tell the listeners and the few viewers what to expect from us in the coming days and even weeks? Yeah, well, basically, we're just going to be trying to get as much content as we can about Serie A, uh, whether it's the latest transfer news, uh, any major events that happen with some of the matches, some of the controversies. We'll try and basically get some opinion out there, um, get some engagement, ask some questions. So we'll be looking to, um, yeah, engage well the community as much as possible to get your opinions and also um, create some discussion amongst ourselves um, as to what we think about what's going on. Um, we'll also be looking at some of the major matches. We'll try and do some previews, um, some post-match analysis as well. So pretty much just uh, trying to cover as much of the major news matches in Serie A as possible. So um, as Connor said, we'll be trying to put as much content on as um, daily if possible. So um, definitely subscribe so you can um, get the updates as we upload them. So, And hopefully you enjoy them. Yeah, Nick and Nick, yourself and Vieri are doing a pretty good job over there so far. Um, I've subscribed and I'm getting the notifications when things go up and it, it's always good to watch because there are some things, especially in the transfer window, that you just can't keep up with. So it's nice to get the roundups on a daily basis. While we're on the subject of the YouTube channel, there is one thing I'd like to add while I still have you. We're looking to gather some funds for not only YouTube, but this podcast as well. Um we want to bring you the best content imaginable on both platforms, but we do need your help to improve. We're not looking for much and anything you can contribute would be immensely helpful. So we've set up a Patreon account for you guys if you want to, to help us out. And as I said, we would very much appreciate it. So that'll just about do it for us on this week's Forza Italian Football Podcast. Huge thanks to everybody who tuned in on the live stream. Guys, give a little wave. and. For those of you listening, I promise we'll be back next week. As always, do keep your eyes on ForzaItalianFootball.com where for the month of January, we've actually teamed up with the guys over at the Final Third Podcast as they celebrate a month of calcio on their website. I've written a couple of things that will be going up on Forza Italian Football and the Final Third. So make sure to keep an eye on both websites, especially throughout the month of January. 
So from myself, Nick and Luca, it's ciao for now and we'll talk to you guys next week. Hey Paisanis, let's have a party. Look, we've got the food, we've got the wine, we've got the polenta. All we need is some Italian songs. Hey, Billy, Joe, and Ron, are you guys ready? Yeah! Here's the Italian soccer player song. We're off to sunny Italy. Sarai per me
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.